welcome to the Fracture Line, the official weekly news feed from the Chest Wall Injury Society, where we will listen to all the bottom line CWIS updates, shoutouts, fun facts, and weekly banner. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Crisco, and I'm joined always by Dr. Tom White, Dr. Adam Kay, and Sarah Ann Whitbeck. Well, today we're, uh, we're honored to have Dr. Jeremy Shu. We're pretty excited to have you on, sir. Welcome to Fracture Line. Thanks very much for the invite. I'm not entirely sure what to expect, but <laughs> hey, it's nice to see everyone. Hey, we, we, we never know what to expect either, you know. <laughs> no, I mean, really, we just wanted to just basically have a conversation to ask about, you know, your room program, uh, the upcoming conference that you're helping to plan, just kind of kind of chat with you. Tell us about your room program. So, I guess, you know, we've been doing um, this for a while. It was... I guess it all started, I did my fellowship at Harborview Medical Center in Seattle, and that was way back in 2010, which feels like ages ago now. Um, and that's kind of when I think I, I learned how to uh, fix ribs using the acute innovation system. And then when I got back home and we thought that there's an opportunity, it just happened to be that Acute Innovations had a distributor down in Sydney, where I am, and we started our program, and it just happened to be no one else was doing it, so practice just built, and there was obviously a need, and um, it's kind of progressed from there, you know, from me being the only one in my hospital doing it, to now there's like at least three or four surgeons in, in my institution who are now doing it, so we can now offer it. Um, and we have been for the last few years offering this as a part of the treatment plan uh, for patients with rib fractures. So it's kind of, yeah, evolved. And I'm really pleased to see in Australia that, you know, we've had training programs and we had, um, I've had quite a few fellows come through who've also been trained and they've now gone on to other institutions who've started up their own programs. So I think we're sort of, you know, getting a lot of momentum within Australia, you know, because obviously everything's on a much smaller scale compared to the U.S., uh, but we're kind of getting there, which is, which is pretty exciting. And from what I, I remember from the, uh, from the uh, CWIS squares, one of the questions that I was quite surprised and quite pleased about was that CWIS, the largest number, or the country that has the largest number of international members is Australia, which I think is Absolutely. pretty cool. Absolutely. You guys are representing. Yeah. Tell, tell listeners exactly where you are, you know, what, in terms of what hospital, where, what your practice is, what kind of, you know, surgeon you are. Yeah, so I um, am uh, working in a hospital uh, called Westmead Hospital, which is kind of in the geographical center of Sydney. It's not where the Harbour Bridge is, where everyone thinks when they think about Sydney. It's uh, in the, as I said, right in the middle. Not really a great place to visit, but as is typical for like big... <laughs> public county hospitals sure. it's where all the action happens uh yeah. so i work as a as a trauma surgeon i'm the director of trauma for westmead hospital which is as i said is a level one trauma center we have a we're, we're, we're pretty busy uh in there and we have a, a as i said a a, a a fairly well established uh, program when it comes to surgical stabilization of rib fractures. Fantastic. So, so um, are you kind of like the Tom White of Australia? I mean, you know, Tom's a pretty... Oh, no, I could never, ever, <laughs> ever put myself into that category. Never, <laughs> ever, ever, like Dr. White, this level. Me, I just tiny. I am uh, actually uh, super grateful for, uh, and I remember this, I remember, I think it was... 
2017, I don't know, it was definitely in San Diego when uh, they kindly uh, allowed me, like I went to the American College of Surgeons uh, meeting to convocate to get the FACS and there happened to be a CWIS event and a nice place just across from the convention center and that's where I got to meet everyone in person which is really cool. It was really nice of them to be able to, yeah, to invite, invite me along to that. And so that's when I remember, and I remember seeing Dr. White and thinking, whoa, whoa, this is like the real deal. <laughs> Jeremy, we, have, we know that you actually have another area of interest which doesn't ordinarily line up with traumatic chest wall injury, and that is the, you're a breast surgeon. So tell oh, us how yeah. the breast bone is connected to the rib bone and how, you, well, <laughs> how, how that came about. So I guess, yeah, and, it, and it's weird because it depends on what setting I'm in when I have conversation with trauma kind of people and they find out that I do breast surgical oncology and reconstructive surgery, they kind of think you're weird, a bit like falling out of trees um, and <laughs> vice versa, right? And like if I go to these breast meetings and they go, you do trauma, they kind of look at me like I'm mad like because none of them ever want to do call, right? <laughs> the thing is, I guess in Australia, we, um, you know, are lucky, unlucky, depends which perspective you take. Small population, relatively, you know, smaller volumes because we're about a tenth or even smaller of the population of the U.S., so therefore relative trauma volumes, a little, although, you know, we have enough and most of it's blunt trauma. So... Our trauma surgeons kind of generally have to find, yeah, there are a few who just do trauma, but um, usually you try and find something else to do. And it just happened to be at my hospital that they needed, at the same time when I was finishing my training, they also needed, they could see that they needed a breast surgical oncology surgeon. Um, and so they said to me, hey, would you think about doing some, you know, more training in that as well? And I went, uh, well, yeah, maybe. doesn't instantly fit, but then I did it, uh, you know, a, a, a fellowship year in that as well. Um, and actually, the practice works out really well for, for us because the way we've structured it is that when I'm on for trauma, that's all I do. I don't do any elective surgery in that week for the, that I'm on service. Um, and the other cool thing is that with, with uh, breast surgery, there's never any kind of super urgent emergencies that require attention instantly like as in you know these things can be dealt with you know often in a planned fashion um, I don't often have patients that are hanging over like that are still in hospital you know like say like the post whipples leak or something disastrous like that that's still hanging around you know when I'm on service so actually they're very separate and which is a good thing uh, and so I can really have a, a you know segregated weeks it's good because it provides a lot of variety as well. It's very different, like kind of in the thinking. But having said that, there are some synergies that I didn't think would be there. But things like as in my anterior, my approach to the anterior fractures, you know, it's a hundred percent from the techniques that we do in breast reconstructive surgery. You know, the inframammary extending up into the lateral mammary fold incision detaching the pec major off it's exactly how we uh you know one of the ways that we do the tissue expander reconstruction it's exactly the same exposure to get to those anterior and anterolateral kind of uh, fractures so it all kind of it, it worked out well like kind of in that way and same thing you know our, our lat dorsi flaps that we do that for the posterior exposure 
same sort of thing. So it's actually, interestingly enough, there's some, there are some translatable kind of techniques between, between the, 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 the two things. So Jeremy, Jeremy, give us a little cultural lesson. How does a guy with your last name and your, your good looks make it to Australia? My um, parents are originally from China, and so hence Chinese origin, and they then went to high school in Hong Kong, uh, which is where a lot of my family are now, and then they actually came out to Australia to go to university, so they did their, like, mum did an engineering degree, and my father did a science degree in physics, um, and so they came out relatively young, and they met like out in Australia. And so my brother and I were born in, a, in Australia. And so, you know, hence, uh, hence I sound the way that I sound, <laughs> I guess, which was, which was an interesting thing. I remember one of, the first, one of the first things when I met Jerry Jerkovich when I was over in Seattle. And it was like one of my first days in the hospital. And he's, we're at like a, you know, division meeting or something or other. And Jerry stands up and goes, Listen to this guy. He doesn't sound anything like he should. <laughs> like, like, you know, and then, and then one of the other surgeons said, yeah, don't worry, this place full of rednecks. Like, uh, I went, I didn't know anything like, you know, Seattle, like being the most left-wing place in probably the US, like I think. But anyway, it was uh, like, yeah, so yeah. Yeah, and then, so that's why. And then, so I've, I've done, like, you know, it's, it's kind of, kind of bad. I've, I've been, so that means born. I've done all of my... Um, uh, training, studying, everything like in Sydney, uh, except for you know periodic times like you know going to the US, going to some regional areas in Australia. But you know Sydney, born, bred, raised, now living, working, everything. I'll probably die in Sydney. So it's like a New Yorker. Yeah. <laughs> what does your brother do? Yeah, here? New York. Ah, uh, so he's a vet, as in a veterinarian, like kind of thing. So. Does does he play dog ribs? Well, like, no, so I've, I've tried. Dachshund has thirteen what? ribs. Yeah, I learnt that too from Seawiz Squares, <laughs> which is cool. Um, uh, no, look, I've I've tried to talk to him about it. We often have these conversations that make my family kind of roll their eyes backwards completely in, the, in their head, and uh, and then he's got like a T-shirt that says like real doctors treat more than one species that he wears. So yeah. So, uh, Jeremy, did you enjoy Seawood Squares? Was it all you thought it was going to be and more? Or? Uh, like, again, I don't want to offend, and if I do, I apologize, but when this was proposed, I went, what is this Seawood, what is this Squares business? And when I looked at the YouTube, I went, I'm pretty sure I never saw this on TV. I'm pretty sure I wasn't born. <laughs> and so, so it took me. Took me a while to understand it, but it was actually kind of fun. It was it was good fun. Let's Sarah. Do you have anything to fire off real quick? Any updates? Yeah, sure do. We have case review next Wednesday, November twenty fourth at seven a.m. Mountain Standard Time. Um, so if you have not signed up, go ahead and get registered. We have three um, presenters, and they all have really great cases. So definitely um, get your name on the list. And then um, November thirtieth is the big day for abstracts and um, William B. Long Award Submissions, the CUS KLS Martin Resident Fellow Applications for Research Awards. So please um, make sure that you are on time. We're on a very tight timeline between the submission date of November 30th and um, notification dates um, of December 31st. So no late applications or no late submissions on any of those things <clears throat> will be accepted. 
So we want to make sure that, that nobody sends a frantic note a couple days later and says, oh no, I missed it. There will be no grace. So be on time. Thank you. Cool. Let's do a, a quick final stitch, yeah? Final stitch. Sarah Ann is too proud to tell you, but she got she got assaulted yesterday. She got a flu shot in one arm and she got a booster in her other arm and she's she's both of her wings. She, you notice she hasn't lifted her arms at, at all during this project. So. Honestly, it hit me really hard. Like uh, last night, I had I was feverish and then chills and I felt awful. I I had no reaction to the first two shots, but this booster has really kicked my butt. I felt really uncomfortable. So I I'm in the hurt locker today. I'm not gonna lie to you. I, I mean, I'm glad I did it, but whew, it's uh. Glad it's behind me. I'm glad I'm 24 hours post. I'm sure 24 hours from now it'll be a distant memory, but right now, whew, I'm still a, I'm a sore chica today. So it's uh, I'm glad it's glad it's in the background. My uh, my final stitch is that um, my cute little niece earned her. I think she said it was the yellow belt. I'm so bad with things like this, but she had her little pass off. And um, they filmed her doing all of her cool little karate moves. She, she's the cutest little ninja in the world. And um, she, she was in town last weekend. And so she was showing me all of her prep work, you know. And man, she's a cute little ninja. Works, works her tail off. And I'm just super proud of her. So I, I think I'm applauding her for her yellow belt. But, you know, it could really be any color. And I'd be just as proud of an auntie. So yay for Miss Kylie. I'll go. I'll just... Um... Just a proud father moment again, like like last week. Uh, so my 11-year-old Asa, he's got Down syndrome, and uh, every day he shows us something new and different. And so um, recently he joined the school choir, and uh, we have to drop him off every single every, every Thursday morning extra early. And you know it used to be very scared about where he was going to go to school, whether he was going to walk away and walk just walk to a different place. He has become a little man. He gets in there, he sees his friends, he introduces his friends to me he sits down at the at the desk and just waits and is like really ready to go and ready to, and so i'm just really proud that he's got that level where he's no longer the uh, kid who's just running around and actually is uh, is becoming um, much more grounded in, in what he's doing so i'm pretty proud of him i can tell you that a hundred percent like as in this is uniquely to us because we proved that trauma is a hundred percent related to or is a social disease, right? Because we are so, like we, 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 we found this, and I can't believe it, like as in we found this last year, like as in because, you know, we have so many lockdowns, right? When people don't move about, our trauma just went, like, and this year when we had our second lockdown, which we've just come out of, essentially, for about the past month, everything went, and right now we're in the middle of this. Like, it's just ridiculous. I don't know where everyone, but 100%. When people move about, trauma happens. Anyway, that's I'm just gonna say, like the safest thing for people is to stay indoors. That's what we learned. <laughs> sure, it's not because you've separated humans from kangaroos and other sorts of. <laughs> <laughs> it could be more than one for that phenomenon. No, the, 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 the wildlife, I think. The koala bear. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> that's Thanks awesome. You, Thank you. <laughs>